in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So this week, Chris O'Brien is back from his sabbatical, ready and raring to go. And our special guest is the one, the only, Micah Hanks, except no substitutes. Is there, Micah Hanks, another Micah Hanks in the world? I'm sure there is another one out there someplace, but fortunately, there aren't two of me, because if there were, that would be too much trouble for everybody, including yours truly. There are a couple of Chris O'Briens out there. I know there are a number of Gene Steinbergs, and it's a big question whether they suffer from that or I suffer from that. And I know one or two are in radio. I think one's a station manager. So maybe, you know, he can send me his paychecks. That would certainly... So are, the, are, the, are they tulpas? Are they doppelgangers? I mean, you've got to be the original Gene Steinberg, right? Steinberg is not an unusual name. Its derivation is German. Gene or Eugene is certainly not unusual. We have, we've had some famous genes out there. We had one, for example, a famous cowboy star, Gene Autry, who was hugely wealthy. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a Gene Autry Park about 10 minutes from here. I don't know if his estate manages it. I don't know why we're talking about this. I think (laughs) it's because we just wanted to catch up. We haven't talked to Micah for a long time. And there are a number of issues that have come up in our forums. And I wanted to acquaint him with one here. And it may sound to our listeners like it's a pitch. Because we're pitching for the After the Paracast show, which is part of the Paracast Plus. It's one of the things you get exclusively. And last week... In response to a question from a regular episode from Lewis Sheehan, one of our regular listeners, we invited Paul Kimball to talk about his film from, what, 2005 called Best Evidence Top 10 UFO Sightings. And the issue here is very simple. Looking back at those 10 cases, and the 10 best were not his 10 best, it was the people he talked to. But personally, he decided, looking at those 10 best, that maybe some of them don't really hold up so well after all these years. And if you really want to know more about that, and I'll make the pitch now, you have to listen to After the Paracast. It's part of the Paracast Plus. You go to plus.theparacast.com to learn subscription information, and we keep the prices low. So you get a commercial-free version of this show, After the Paracast, and other goodies. Plus.theparacast.com. Okay. So, we've all read this. Go to our forums, and this is the main thread for last week's episode, entitled, Paracast Listener Grills Gene and Randall. Mostly, he was grilling me on on an open flame, I think. No, he was a pretty good guy, Louis Sheehan. He is, however, someone who used to be a lawyer, so he knows how to ask questions. So, we have a comment here from a guy who calls himself Greer's Meeting Planner. He lives in Sydney, Australia. And his first two paragraphs kind of begin to tell it all, and I'll read them for our listeners. After listening to the After the Paracast episode, a thought occurred to me, that's a painful one. Is there actually nothing going on when it comes to UFOs? When I say nothing going on, I mean, there is no evidence for visitation from non-human entities and physically, intelligently controlled craft. Why do I keep thinking this? And he goes on to state that a lot of the classic cases are not holding up so well. 
So like Roswell doesn't hold up so well. Bent Waters has some question marks attached to it. He points out that everybody has a camera in their pocket. Pretty good cameras. I mean, if you got the top line Samsung Galaxies or the iPhones especially, both have marvelous cameras, amazing cameras. And we're not seeing anything. And his final comment is, are we dealing with a psychological human condition phenomenon that is rooted in misidentification, malleable memory, the need for notoriety, charlatanism, imagination, ideology, and nothing perhaps to do with real alien visitors? And after that, he concludes, I want to believe, but I can't. So, Micah Hanks, you've got the framework for this discussion. Do you think that the possibility of the traditional belief about UFOs doesn't hold water anymore because the more we learn about older cases, the less we're certain they're really compelling? Well, I just have to say, first of all, it's a wonderfully framed series of questions. Uh, I'm appreciative to both of you not only to be on, but also to be able to address that. You know, Greer's meeting planner, that's got to be one of the best online monikers I've ever come across. And he gets kudos. Well, it, I, I wish I wish he would stop with his uh, everything that he doesn't like in life. He blames on liberals. And, you know, after you see this for the umpteenth time, it gets a little old. It is a funny name. The actual avatar has Greer dressed up uh, with the makeup of uh, the Joker and that crazy uh, Keith Ledger version of the Joker on the Batman uh, movie. So it's pretty funny. Green hair, white face. The political baiting, I agree with you. But he's a smart guy. Well, it drives me, it drives me nuts. Uh, he, he does it just to tick people off. And, and uh, I asked him uh, in not very polite uh, terms uh, earlier to, to cease and desist with that. We bend over backwards to try to be as fair and balanced here as we can. And I'm, I'm seeing more and more people complaining that we're grouchy old men that are down on everything and everybody in ufology. And, and, and unfortunately, that's not really the case. <laughs> Look, uh, but you know, uh, I thought I'd bring that up. Well, that's a misconception, okay, about being grouchy and down on everything. Here, here are a few of the, in the stigmatizations and the stereotypes that we've got to kind of remove. I do want to say, first and foremost, uh, the avatar is funny, and I do like the name. And I mean no personal disdain to Stephen Greer in acknowledging that. I disagree with almost everything Stephen Greer does, but I'm not making a personal attack against him. To be skeptical and to ask hard questions is not to be grouchy or to have to use ad hominem to bring another person down emotionally or otherwise. You know, at some point, good skepticism all of a sudden turned into, well, we've also got to be mean to people, dismissive of people. We've got to attack their political views, their religious views, and maybe even go after their family members too. Look, guys, being on this show with you in the past, I've had the same thing happen. I've had people listen to things I've said about the UFO subject or other related material, and they have to say, well, you must be a conservative or you must be a liberal. They can't quite ever pin me down, but I'll give you a hint. Real helpful one. MiddleTheory.com is my political and news and current events podcast. The name says it all. I try not to play this game of polarization in politics. And really, when I look at this kind of phenomena, too, it's not that I'm trying to make everybody happy. I'm trying not to give myself to the polarized sort of ideology, the biases that fall on the extremes. If you kind of come to the center, and I think Paul Kimball, by the way, would certainly agree, you're going to find that people who have a somewhat centrist outlook on things in general are more likely to really see, I think, things for what they are because they, don't, they aren't given to biases. Now, when Greer's meeting planner says, I want to believe, but I can't, you know, it reminds me of something John Keel said years ago, belief is the enemy. 
And I'm sure the reason he said that is because, again, once you give yourself to a bias or a predisposed, what I like to call a prepackaged ideology, you know, you read what somebody else said and you say, oh, well, that's what I believe. No, you're not really thinking. You're not really putting your own intellect behind things. So, you know, these are some great questions that Greer's Meeting Planner uh, makes here. And again, ladies and gentlemen listening at home, this is not actually Stephen Greer's Meeting Planner. Again, that's just the name used on the forums there. But with regard to the actual topics addressed here, I, I really actually agree with most of this, but there are definitely some caveats. Uh, so we'll go through a few of them in quick succession here. Again, what they bring to the table here is I mean that they, and I'm quoting, there's no evidence for visitation from non-human entities and physically intelligently controlled aircraft. Well, again, this is a problem I began to see with UFOs years ago. And really my solution to this, although it's not really a solution, it's more a method of approaching UFOs in a way that addresses that problem. I make a big distinction between so-called alien encounters, abductions, all that kind of stuff, and then the physical craft, which are studied, which we refer to as unidentified flying objects. And people are like, well, you can't separate those two because, I mean, they are absolutely connected, you know, at the hip. I mean, these there's an umbilical cord that connects the UFOs to the alien subject. Well, not really. Think about all the nighttime encounters where people perceive that they have had a so-called UFO abduction, but they never describe seeing a craft. Think of the multitude more of UFO reports where we see a object in the sky. Where were the aliens? With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. 
With nearly 70 years of history engineering bunkers, today, Atlas Survival Shelters is still the authority. Atlas offers 18 different choices, from commercial tornado shelters to underground nuclear fallout shelters. Starting at just $99.99, with 100% financing available, comfortable interiors, and state-of-the-art air filtration systems, Atlas Survival Shelters are the most popular private survival shelters in the world. Call 1-855-4-BUNKER-NOW or visit atlassurvivalshelters.com. Does the current world crisis in North Korea or our domestic crisis right here in America concern you? Well, I know it concerns me. My friends over at Legacy Food Storage have solutions in the event there's the inevitable. What's the inevitable? Civil unrest, a run on your local grocery store. And here's my question to you. If this happens, how do you feed your children? How do you feed your grandchildren? Legacy Food Storage has the solutions. In fact, they can help you implement a simple plan to take care of your needs in the event of the inevitable. By calling them right now, I have authorized them to give you a special 20% discount at checkout by simply using GCN. Call 888-543-7345 or visit them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. That's 888-543-7345 or visiting them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. Make sure you use GCN at checkout for an incredible 20% discount. Don't be a victim. Take control of your life now. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, we're talking to Micah Hanks of the Graylian Report, and he takes, as he says, kind of a centrist view of politics trying to find the good things of both sides. That used to be about politics, trying to find a common ground and compromise, but that's a dirty word far too often. That's not political. That's not conservative. That's not liberal. It's just we're trying to be reasonable. All right. The point that Micah Hanks was making there is we have UFO abductions, but we never see a UFO. We have lots of UFO sightings, but we don't always very rarely see entities or beings in and around them. Now, I don't know if you know this, Micah, our old friend Jerome Clark, his feeling is we're dealing with two separate sets of phenomena here. Aha. Uh-huh. That the abductions is something that's experienced and may have a cause, but maybe not necessarily a physical UFO. And then we have the UFO mystery. They're separate and they're brought together maybe because people see what they see because of their cultural conditioning. They undergo this personal experience, and because they've been fed to believe it's the Star Trek universe, the Star Wars universe, it's communion, they see the gray aliens. But as we know, and Chris has pointed this out, and you have, maybe a few hundred years ago, they wouldn't see that. They'd see fairies and elves and leprechauns, right? 
Most certainly. And Jacques Vallée very eloquently brought that to the table with his book, Dimensions. There were other related work to Passport to Magonia, where he talked about these kind of issues. In other words, the question might be, are the greys or the aliens of the modern era, an industrial society with all the technology at our disposal, is that a similar representation or a corollary to something that in pre-industrial times, or if not indeed pre-industrial times, at least several decades or centuries ago, uh, we're looking at something that is, again, culturally the same, but interpretively different. And I think that that's a fair question that has to be raised. And again, you know, our paranormal adept from Australia, uh, Greer's meeting planner there on the uh, forums.theparacast.com, the question had been, is there no evidence for visitation from non-human entities and physically intelligently controlled uh, craft? Well, I just have to say again, that question becomes more reasonable if you do as Jerry Clark has done and as I'm proposing. I mean, break those two things apart and don't insinuate a connection if indeed there's not good evidence of one. And it's very good and a very reasonably worded quote. The classic cases for best evidence such as Roswell and Bentwaters are as time progresses losing more and more of their credibility. That's definitely been the case with Roswell. I know we don't say that word on this podcast anymore, especially after Kevin Randall's last appearance. But Again, that seems to be through diligence and through good research and not just overt skepticism, although there have been a lot of good skeptics who have put a lot of good work behind this. Maybe there is less to Roswell today as seen versus, you know, again, in a pre-internet society when there was groundwork that had to be done, you know, pouring through archives and things like that. The internet has fundamentally changed the way that research is done. Bent waters, we've seen a little of the same. We've seen, unfortunately, uh, for certain individuals in the in the UFO community, the unraveling of certain narratives and thereby the authors being castigated uh, for what they've written about that particular case. Does it necessarily mean that there, there was nothing that happened at Bentwaters? It doesn't necessarily mean that there was nothing that happened at Bentwaters. It does mean, though, that we are having to cast a critical eye, as we should, towards some of these classic UFO cases. The question of camera phones and low-priced tech Uh, in relation to UFOs is one that has to be asked. Guys, there is more technology on the iPhone 6 or 7 than what sent us to the moon, uh, which is incredible because people use that device and how relativity plays into all that. Uh, GPS coordinates and satellites and all this technology that works with making smartphones function and allows us to connect in a global community. Let me just point out something here, too. There's an iPhone 8 now. Uh huh. And a friend of mine, Daniel Aaron Dilger, wrote a piece reviewing it for... AppleInsider.com. Anybody who's interested in maybe getting the iPhone 8, the newest model. What's in there? The technology is amazing. It's got machine learning. It's got advanced image processing of the photos you take to make them as perfect as possible. It's dealing with billions of instructions per second in this little tiny phone. I mean, the amazing power. You said more power than what got us to the moon. This little box, by the way, they compare it to a full-size notebook computer. And probably the notebook that you have and the computer that Chris has, it's almost or more powerful. Yeah. I, I remember back in the mid-90s having a, <laughs> a Dell 386 and lusting after a 486. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, 486 megs is, is like, is nothing. Yeah, and you put that on the on the scale that we're dealing with today. And again, Gene, what you and Chris, what you just said, uh, it's one more reason I love being on this show with you guys because, again, put, putting things in that cultural perspective and also that technological perspective, uh, which, by the way, funny anecdote, people who believe that the Earth is flat, yeah, they actually exist, they carry around these smartphones and these devices with this incredible technology, and they use that to communicate with other fellow flat earthers. 
think about that. Yeah, but but Greer's meeting planner here again raises a great point. With that kind of technology capable of being carried around in your pocket, this is why I've said in the past I stopped calling them phones. The portable multifunction device that's easily accessible and can be carried in anyone's pocket that should help us prove the kinds of paranormal phenomena for which there was only anecdotal evidence in the past, and yet we still only have the witness testimony. Very seldom do we have good photographs of said phenomena, which many would argue should be proven by now. Now, we could go down the rabbit hole and say, well, try photographing a plane at night with an iPhone, and no matter how incredible that technology is, that camera is not going to do good distance photography at night and thus make it any easier really to photograph a UFO. Sure, those arguments could still be made. The number of really decent UFO photos can be counted on the fingers of your hands. Yeah, there aren't that really many over the years because a light in the sky is a light in the sky. It's a daytime uh, sighting photographic evidence that's the most compelling. Ray Stanford's collection of UFO photos, uh, for instance, quite a number of which I'd, I'd never seen before. There are some that um, are just defy description, really up close uh, to the camera. No apparent, you know, rhyme or reason of how it could have been hoaxed. Um, and, I, you know, we are seeing some. I, I have seen, I think, an uptick in fairly decent cell phone footage and uh, photographs. But you have to kind of sift it away from all the obvious CGI hoaxes that are out there. Uh, these little balls of white light that, that are so simple to do uh, in any uh, rudimentary uh, After Effects type, type program. It's getting kind of ridiculous, really, uh, how many of these... Um, types of um, white white glowing ball or orb um, hoaxes are out there. So you have to kind of, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, I think, a little bit there. But uh, we are seeing, I, I, I do think we are seeing an uptick in photographic evidence. It's just, you know, like I said, it's just difficult to separate it out from, from the uh, obvious hoaxes. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, another point that one might make here is that concomitant with the advancements that might enable better collection of data about the so-called UFO phenomena, because I go back and forth, too, at times. I mean, is this really what we've long thought it is? Now, I definitely think that there is some physical craft, and we're going to talk about those here in a bit. I've actually put some notes together that I think are very easily quantifiable as the physical craft that uh, you know people, even like my good friend and colleague, uh, Paul Kimball, are fairly dismissive of, but I totally understand why they're dismissive. We'll come back to that in a moment, but again, one might make the argument for the time being that as much technology... Uh, as we have at our disposal that is helpful, that same technology can be used, like you said, Chris, to hoax, and thereby it actually perplexes the issue even more. It makes things more difficult. We've got Micah Hanks and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. 
Dr. Carolyn Dean wants you to have a free chapter of her new book, The Magnesium Miracle Second Edition, and it's available at magmiracle.com. In your free chapter, Dr. Carolyn Dean explains how magnesium is essential to support the structure and function and overall health of your body. Your free chapter is your guide to learn how to support your heart, bone, metabolic, lung, and mental health with this powerful mineral. The Magnesium Miracle Second Edition is available on Amazon, but right now get a free chapter at magmiracle.com, spelled M-A-G-Miracle.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Investing is a long-term process. How many times can you think of in the last decade that the stock market has destroyed retirement funds for people just like you and me? For your existing IRA, you need the security that gold has provided for centuries. Remember, gold has never been worth zero. Capital Gold would like to introduce you to the Home Storage Gold IRA. It's a self-directed IRA set up with all the protection and tax benefits of an LLC. But the big difference in this IRA is you invest in gold and you hold it in your possession. You can't do that with stocks. That's security. You can transfer any type of IRA hassle-free in days. Please call right now and learn more and we'll waive the $500 setup fee and give you a free safe to store your gold. 800-535-7789-800-535-7789-800-535-7789. That's 800-535-7789. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We never want to interrupt somebody when they're just rolling. Anyway, 
We have Micah Hanks joining us with Gene and Chris. Go ahead, Micah. Absolutely. Well, again, just to reiterate that final point, uh, you know, the technology that is moving us forward and may eventually help us quantify a certain unexplained phenomena, yet similar technology and advancements in the modern era are also making it more easy for hoaxers to produce information that's more difficult to discern. And so you kind of get to a point, guys like David Marler say, a, a UFO photograph, no matter how good it looks, is of no use to us because, again, that's just a photograph, and there are any number of hoaxes that can be created. We need good physical proof that would satisfy the physicists, the chemists. And that's why, the, for instance, the San Luis Valley Camera Project is going to be very reliant on other forms of monitoring equipment, uh, such as magnetometers, gravitometers, uh, blaze gratings on uh, analog uh, telescopes, for instance, to separate light into its spectra, into its various co- constituent components. That plus magnetometer uh, readings, radar returns, you know, gravitational field fluctuations, that sort of thing. Uh, th- this is the kind of data that really impresses scientists, and it's the kind of data that gets them excited and, and would possibly lend itself to being reviewed, uh, at least privately, by uh, accredited scientific uh, uh, experts. So I think that is one of the avenues that really need to be further explored and expanded upon um, is, is additional types of monitoring of hotspot areas and of, of um, so-called sighting events. So, you know, once we start to establish that kind of, of data collection and we start to, you know, start to create a, a database of, of actual, you know, facts and figures, <laughs> measures and numbers, <laughs> measurements and numbers, then we might be able to uh, start to make some preliminary kind of come to some sort of preliminary um, answers and, and create at least better quality questions to ask, I think. Well, you know, in the past, weren't there UFO researchers that did that? Valet described a similar uh, uh, apparatus or system uh, in one of his books. I know that Ray Stanford has done this kind of thing. Well, Ray's the only one. Uh, and, of course, Hasdalen uh, in Norway is the other effort that uh, has attempted to do a multi-instrumental array. Ray's Project Starlight back in the 70s was really the only one. And he's the only one, to my knowledge, that's actually gotten not only uh, optical data, you know, photographs and film, um, but also acoustic data. Uh, gravitational uh, and uh, magnetic uh, data all in a single sighting event. He's the only one that's ever been able to pull that off to my knowledge. And I'd, I'd love to be able to, uh, you know, to take the, that particular ball and, and keep uh, running down the field with it. And also, um, we've come up with a way to shoot out an active uh, radar signal that would be good up to about 40 miles. And uh, with that kind of combination of scientific evidence, <laughs> basically, yeah. it's going to be difficult to just uh, explain it away and 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 do a Robert Schaefer or a Michael Shermer type, uh, you know, dismissal of it. It's going to be very very difficult to dismiss that kind of data, especially yeah. if the evidence chain is uh, is you know stringently kept pristine. And then of course having a streaming optical signal going on at the same time and plenty of witnesses uh, that obviously it's going to help uh, as well. You know, and again, this kind of equipment, I think that on a budget of about maybe $5,000, you wouldn't really need that much, but with 5000 bucks, you could at least get decent equipment. Well, uh, yeah, the, the, the magnetometer and the gravitometer are going to be more expensive than that, but, um, uh, and, and, the, and the radar unit. If you, if you put everything together, you should be able to do a triangulated array um, without forward-looking infrared, which is going to double the price, but you should be able to do it for about, I don't know. I mean, with really top of the line gear, you should be able to do it about seventy thousand. 
Oh, okay. So figure for each for each uh, you're talking twenty thousand for each each of the three arrays, and then uh, money for the base station and and uh, an all sky camera and and software and that sort of thing. We do have our software uh, dialed in now, finally, and I'm just trying to get my guy to my ISP guy who owns a tower to climb the damn tower and put the camera up already. It's <laughs> getting cold up there. <laughs> that's always the problem, getting the guy to climb up there and put the camera in place. But Chris, I mean, see, that's really exciting to hear that, you know, you're working to try and actually do something that, hey, for years, somebody should have already, already done. You know, remember back in the original uh, report on uh, unidentified flying objects by Ruppelt, he was talking about how there had been a visual sighting that coincided with the ra- uh, not a radar, but it was actually a radiation spike. I don't remember the facility. Was that White Sands? There may be. I can't remember the facility, but he had said that there was data that actually Blue Book had looked at in relation to a visual sighting that coincided with a radiation spike you know, as being monitored at a, ra- uh, at a laboratory. So, I mean, there is some anecdotal evidence that suggests these kind of things, uh, but I would just argue further that today, not only has technology advanced greatly since 1952 or three, around the time that book was written, but also the miniaturization of technology and the accessibility of technology has yeah. made it, you know, it's made certain things a little more. You're still talking about, like you said, a seventy, eighty thousand dollar budget to do it right, but still, I mean, that that has made things a little more accessible. And you know, it's it's time we start putting these things in action. So good on you. Well, twenty years ago, when I first, you know, kind of came up with the with the pie in the sky sort of what if scenario of, of doing this, I, I did cost it out, and it was around a million dollars. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> the prices come down considerably. You know, it's it's all in the matter of. When you're trying to get people to do stuff for nothing, as a favor, on their own time, it's very difficult to get things done. That's why I'm, I'm wondering whether we should uh, just go ahead and do a, a GoFundMe type thing uh, now so that you, you hire people to do this stuff and they can't, you know, they can't just say no and or when I get around to it, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. um, I'm toying with the idea of actually going ahead and doing a complete funding thing right now. We've got all the, the business plans and you know, all the everything's been cost, you know, analyzed and costed out. We've already spent thousands on the software, the motion tracking and record on motion uh, software, which we have uh, already now developed. And uh, it would have been nice to have access to military, you know, tracking and targeting technology, which is about basically what we needed. But uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm I don't have any uh, contacts in the Pentagon like Mark D'Antonio and. Douglas Trumbull evidently do, or you know, contacts with NASA or national labs and stuff. So you know, we're having to kind of reinvent the wheel a little bit. But uh, I, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm I'm sticking to it. Uh, the team is 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 you know, we've had fits and starts, but this is a future of hard data uh, ufology. All this anecdotal stuff is great. I mean, there's there's wonderful stories and very believable accounts out there. But when you start looking at hard data that's been gathered in a scientific manner, um, you're, you're moving the whole question and the whole um, game up to a whole new level. And, uh, and it, it's the kind of credibility and the kind of scientific, um, I don't know, just legitimacy, for lack of a better word, that's, uh, I think, going to drive this whole field forward. And that's why I'm so excited that, um, that Ray Stanford is doing the kind of analytical work he's doing. Um, he recently just got out of the hospital, a little Ray update, and uh, uh, made the announcement that evidently National Geographic is going to be featuring him in the November issue of uh, National Geographic magazine for his the, you know, discovery, the most important find ever in paleontology, uh, which is uh, discovered on the, on the uh, grounds of uh, Goddard Space Flight Center. They're going to do a whole 
a whole article in the uh, magazine on him. So uh, kudos to Ray. He published a 62-page paper with Martin Lockley, the world's top dinosaur track expert. Uh, he co-authored the paper with. And now the uh, the thing is going to be on permanent display at Goddard. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, 60 different tracks, including the first mammal and dinosaur tracks ever in the same uh, trackway, uh, and 60 different uh, animals that were all featured in one single piece of rock. So huh. that's pretty exciting. Well, see, no one but Ray could find something like that, believe me. <laughs> that's what I've always appreciated about Ray is, you know, he's like myself. You know, I'm someone who I love the historical sciences. Archaeology is kind of a passion of mine of, of late, but really all the sciences. Uh, again, the, the fundamental question is we can sit around and we can be skeptical all day, or if we see that there is at least enough anecdotal evidence that seems to suggest that there may be other varieties of phenomena as yet unrecognized or or, or at least misunderstood by science, yeah. let's apply that same science to those subjects too. And Ray's always tried to do that with UFOs, as you're doing, Chris. Please keep me in the loop about that and your project because, you know, I'm, we being of like mind, I want to hear more about this and I'll help any way I can. We've got more to come with Micah Hanks and Chris O'Brien and Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Dr. Carolyn Dean wants you to have a free chapter of her new book, The Magnesium Miracle Second Edition, and it's available at magmiracle.com. In your free chapter, Dr. Carolyn Dean explains how magnesium is essential to support the structure and function and overall health of your body. Your free chapter is your guide to learn how to support your heart, bone, metabolic, lung, and mental health with this powerful mineral. The Magnesium Miracle Second Edition is available on Amazon, but right now get a free chapter at magmiracle.com, spelled M-A-G, miracle.com. 
anytime, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Fascinating discussion here about ongoing research, the kind of research that counts in learning about paranormal events. Just to let you know, by the way, Kevin Randall's next book is going to be about Sicaro, New Mexico, where he's reviewing that as a cold case, as he has with others. And it'd be very interesting to see what he comes up with. It will be. And uh, one thing to finish up our conversation from the last segment, one of the things that's really important for people to understand, and may, it might be exciting to some people, we're coming up with a three-tiered cost, you know, in terms of cost. We're going to come up with a with an entry level, a, me, a mid-level, and then a sky's the limit level package uh, so people can take the technology and the software that we've been developing and take it and put it into use in their particular region. So it's not going to be only one standalone system that we're shooting for. I mean, obviously, that's where you have to begin, show viability and and, um, and stuff. But uh, once, once we show that it's a workable scenario, we're going to then put ourselves in a position to help others do the same thing in their regions and do a, um, uh, like I said, a, a three different levels of, of uh, technology packages. So people can go ahead and, and set up triangular arrays in, in their neck of the woods and uh, become part of the, part of the solution. Uh, I, I really do feel, again, that this is a, a major, major uh, superhighway step forward uh, in this whole, whole realm. We may, may 
prove that the phenomenon's uh, there's nothing to it. Who knows? Until you try and until you really make the attempt and put the the blood, sweat, and energy into it, you're you're not going to know. Yeah. Well, you see, it just died down. At the end of the day, let's leave that discussion here. I think it's just important for people who are following this subject not to assume we have final answers for everything. The thing that bothers me, and I'm just going to get quickly into it, is that maybe, to some degree, the lack of progress and possible recanting of the value of older episodes is what makes some people, and we know about that certain organization, some people decide to maybe just monetize it. And speaking of that certain person who's an executive director of a certain organization, I've been in touch with him about coming on the PowerCast to answer the questions. First, well, they had a move. The most recent response is, well, I'm really busy, and maybe you could take one of these other people to come on the show. But that's not the point. He's the one we want. And I went back and said, when are you available? And I hope he responds in the affirmative. So after all this, Micah Hanks, what have you been working on for the past year? Oh, there's always something uh, going on. Although, you know, again, this this is important stuff. In the back of my mind, I'm always interested in UFOs. Uh, I appreciate the questions raised on the post there at the forums.theparacast.com. And, uh, of course, I especially appreciate the science uh, that Chris and uh, a few others are trying to bring to this. You know, uh, as far as what I'm working on, it always does kind of come back to the fact that I'm, I'm I, what would you call a generalist? My friend Jason refers to me as a generalist. I've got a lot of different views on things. You know, one thing maybe I'd, I'd like to discuss just for a moment, if we can talk about structured craft reports and the idea of of actual UFOs, because this is kind of a, a perennial favorite subject of mine and an ongoing area of, of interest of mine. And two things I want to address about that. Uh, as it relates to the kind of research I do, is uh, some of the points that my colleague Paul Kimball raises. Uh, you know, he's been on the show recently, and and in the forums there, he had put down that uh, there may be a paranormal or supernatural component to it all, referring to UFOs. But he says I don't see anything that even remotely indicates structured craft from an extraterrestrial source. Now I get that. I think I agree with that uh, almost completely because one of the interesting things is that when you look back at a lot of these reports from over the years, you begin to see that. With the structured craft reports, and people don't mistake what Paul's saying, he says nothing that even remotely indicates structured craft from an extraterrestrial source. Some of the best, you know, citing a Canadian case from up in his neck of the woods, and I was just up there with Paul actually just last month in Nova Scotia, uh, the Michelike encounter where we, uh, Stefan Michelike comes up on what appears to be a landed craft of extremely anomalous appearance. He walks up toward it. He hears voices coming from the craft. I mean – he goes up to it. A door is sitting there. He calls out to whoever may be inside. He doesn't hear anything. They seem to stop talking. And as he approaches the door, it slams shut real quick. There's a, a jet of steam or something that's projected outward at him. It burns him, and then the thing takes off. Uh, there's the Father Gill case from Papua New Guinea, in which they said that they saw beings up on top of this craft that waved back at them when they waved at these things over two subsequent nights. And so, I mean, you know, in a lot of these cases where you have a pretty decent multiple witness UFO case, again, it's frustrating that there aren't now the Stefan uh, Michelak case was not. But again, in uh, Father Gill's case, he had a number of people there with him. It's frustrating that we have multiple witness cases and so little in the way of photographic evidence. But what they describe with these structured craft reports, to me, doesn't necessarily indicate alien beings i mean there's the old anecdote you know if it looks like a duck if it walks like a duck if it talks like one you know it's probably a duck you could apply that to a lot of different things uh, in terms of analogies but 
a lot of the reports of UFOs that do involve good witnesses and good descriptions of structured craft also describe entities which are ambiguous at best but could very easily be interpreted as being human. Very easily, in my opinion. And so when Paul says structured craft from an extraterrestrial source, it's very difficult to try and insinuate that the good structured craft cases do involve aliens. But people in their minds tend to kind of project that onto these cases. We even think about Travis Walton. I've met Travis. I've talked with him numerous times. But in his case, apart from the moment when he wakes up on board that craft, where he describes some beings that came into the room, and we could maybe insinuate a few things there. Maybe he was in shock. Maybe he was disoriented. From that point onward, pretty much all he describes seeing are people, humans, that he described as resembling the epitome of their gender. They were very attractive-looking people in suits, but he said they looked just like you or I. This is a common thread I've continued to see in really good UFO cases from over the years, and we seem to see fewer of those these days than we once did, which is also a bit telling. Why are there fewer good UFO reports these days that involve these structured craft? But if we really look back at the decent ones from over the years, these so-called space brothers very seldom actually represent alien beings as the greys or whatever we you know culturally kind of recognize them as being these days. So again, I think a better case, if there's a legitimacy to the physical UFOs, a better case can be made for there being probably a terrestrial component to this. And I think that that idea is probably shared by a lot of people, including Jerome Clark and Kevin Randall and people like that. One of the best instances uh, or, or areas that involve structured craft where there are numerous reports that we hear of these days are these big black triangles. This is something that has continued to interest me and uh, and I think it probably always will until our government or somebody discloses that these are ours, because I'm pretty sure by this point that they are. They're fascinating. And I've actually, again, this is a thing. I don't know how we're doing in terms of coming up on a break here, but um, we have maybe two and a half minutes. Perfect. There's just enough time to get to a couple of reports. I've collected a lot of reports about these triangle UFOs. But to preface that, before you get into what people say that they're seeing, what interests me is that the Federation of American Scientists used to have, and it may still be available online, but I recall looking for it recently and couldn't find it, but they had a page up titled Mystery Aircraft. I'm going to give you a description of what the Federation of American Scientists had at their website in relation to one of these so-called mystery aircraft. They said a very intriguing aircraft was being reported in the late 1980s. Some observers claim to have witnessed a vast black flying wing estimated at being between 600 and 800 feet in width passing silently over city streets in California. The craft moved so slowly one observer claimed that he could jog along with it. The aircraft reportedly executed bizarre maneuvers in which it stopped, rotated in place, and hovered vertically, pointing its thin trailing edge toward the ground. This vehicle's unlikely gyrations suggest it is distinct from other sightings and could be a lighter-than-aircraft pushed by slow-turning propellers. Now, that was pretty interesting. I mean, again, we have a, a group like the Federation of American Scientists that are looking at this and saying, hmm, well, you know, maybe some of these reports are actually legitimate, but they don't look at this and say evidence of ET. Of course, they're not going to do that. But maybe there is a little something more in terms of legitimacy to the idea that there is some kind of unidentified aircraft operating in our skies. And there are a plethora of similar reports that continue to this day of very similar descriptions of some sort of a very large, dark, possibly stealth aircraft. Some insinuate it may even be something akin to a stealth blimp. Well, the thing here about all this is we're talking here about something that's ours. It's not paranormal. That's the most important thing. Yeah, certainly. I, uh, but I think, though, to understand the paranormal, 
Remember what Holmes said. He says, to get to the bottom of it all, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, you have to rule out all that is improbable or impossible. And that grain with which you are left at the end, no matter how improbable it is, must be the truth. Once you've ruled out the impossible, you know, understanding things that are not paranormal, that's the problem. To look at something that has a conventional explanation or an earthly one and say, well, must be aliens, before really looking into it deeply and trying to understand what is at the root of this, we have to understand the knowns. And if they are unknown now, if we can apply logic and science to them and then discover what they are, well, this helps us with our toolkit. We can say we know now what that is, so we can rule that out. At the end of the day, whatever we're left with may actually be evidence of ET for all I know. We've got more to come. What about all those early UFO involved cases with Micah Hanks and Gene and Chris? You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. North Korea openly threatens the U.S. and launches a new missile every other week. Their warhead of choice? Electromagnetic pulse. Such an event would cripple the U.S. power grid for years and leave millions in the dark. Are you ready? You can be with a Solark EMP-hardened solar generator. Solark works day in and day out to keep your essentials protected. You can have peace of mind knowing your power will be there when you most need it. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to see EMP testing. That's PortableSolarLLC.com. Energy insurance for your family. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Yes, he's giving it the resonance as proper of a radio announcer, Micah Hanks of the Graylian Report with Gene and Chris. So this takes us back when we look at the possible conventional answers to all the stuff that was happening during World War II and thereafter, and the ghost rockets, and the Foo Fighters, and the early UFO cases. And we wonder, how much of the stuff that influenced this myth, and 
caused us to look to the skies and maybe find some real stuff going on there was really something that was conventional, testing the German inventions, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think, Micah? Well, most certainly. And of course, you mentioned ghost rockets. I wrote a book that was titled The Ghost Rockets, which didn't just look at what was happening over Scandinavia. Uh, there were some also some very good points about that subject that were raised uh, in other literature that came about after my book was written. And I think um, I'm trying to think uh, the Rosetta Deception. You guys, of course, had yeah, uh, James Carrion's book. Yeah, yeah, James Carrion has raised some really good points about that era. And really, I think rightly insinuates that a lot of that probably had to do with misdirection by government agencies, which kind of comes back around to something that Greer's meeting planner pointed out. He he lists misinformation from cases like Benowitz and, and, and Doty make you question any case that involves officialdom. When he says cases like Benowitz and Doty, we, we have to remember again that Benowitz, I guess, was Paul Benowitz was the, the victim more. Uh, Richard Doty was probably the uh, uh, the problem in that case, and uh, and Benowitz wasn't the only person affected by that misinformation campaign. But you know, the, the fundamental point remains that it was a good example of misinformation being handed to UFO researchers, so as to obfuscate from perhaps some actual reality. And that case, I think, really underscores what this a lot of this phenomena really is about. Somebody sees something that uh, again, in, in that instance, I think it was the NSA doing tests out there at Kirkland Air Force Base. Benowitz approaches them. He already was pretty imaginative in his thinking, and he was someone who was really into the UFO subject. Rather than being told, look, back off, you shouldn't be looking into this, they actually kind of encourage his interest, but encourage it in a way that is consistent with his existing UFO beliefs, and Richard Doty contributed to that kind of a thing. So again, you might say that that goes all the way back to the end of the Second World War. If we have experimental technology in our skies, perhaps some fairly exotic different varieties of aircraft being tested. Some stuff that perhaps for whatever strategic importance, defense reasons, uh, and any need to know whatever else may still be off the books largely. Uh, and this is something, again, that I remember Robert Schaefer and I talking about a few years back. He had said, in his opinion, and I don't want to misquote him by any means, because uh, you know I get along well with, with Robert, but in his opinion, he said that if that were the case, if there were information pertaining to experimental studies that went back decades, we should have access to that by now. I disagree. I do not believe that all information that has been around for a few decades or so is probably publicly available. We only had an official disclosure about Area 51 a couple of years ago, and that was only uh, tangent to the actual subject of Area 51 and what's going on out there. It was mentioned in documentation that was disclosed about the U-2 and the Oxcart programs. And so, it wasn't a huge splash made, but I mean, a lot of people, aviation historians, UFO researchers, they did point out, hey, Finally, for the first time, it's yeah, really officially, you know, to say that all this stuff should be publicly. Yeah, it only took 50 years. <laughs> only took 50 years, half a century. Coming back to the discussion with Robert Schaefer, I understand that, you know, sure, that stuff should be publicly available. But do I think that maybe it's a bit naive to assert that it absolutely is? There are probably reasons why certain things are kept off the books, and that has to do with national security. If in the interest of national security, something is not only kept secret, but certain people are given bad information to further help protect that secrecy, we have situations like Doty, and so I think that this probably covers a lot of what we see in ufology, unfortunately. Now, you know, coming back to these large aircraft I'm talking about, I think we've got information sometimes that shows up that can be questionable, like MJ-12 and things like that, and then you do have witness reports. What interests me is when you have consistent descriptions by multiple individuals, not maybe at the same time, but over a period, perhaps, that describe a lot of the same sorts of characteristics in relation to a craft. Let's go to the archives here. October 1998, approximately 1 a.m., just about an hour south of me in Liberty, South Carolina. A gentleman by the name of Aaron had written to me, and I'm going to tell you what he described. 
And I quote him as saying, at the time, I was about 10 miles from the nearest town, so light pollution was fairly low. As I came around a bend in the road, my headlights malfunctioned, causing me to stop the car. The car had had some electrical problems, and I do not attribute that to what happened next. As I opened the door to get out of the car, I looked up, and at around a 45-degree angle to my line of sight was a black triangular object. It was to the right side of the road and moving slowly to my left. It appeared to be about the size of a large commercial airplane and had three dim red lights near each corner. The illumination of these lights had been just enough that I could make out the shape. I watched for about one to two minutes as it moved over the road, and then it began to accelerate and moved out of view. Now, at the time, I was 17 years old, and I thought I had witnessed something extraterrestrial. I was terrified, and I didn't tell anyone for months. And as I've grown older, I've come to think that this may indeed have been very terrestrial in origin. I find the reports of mystery blimps fascinating, and I wonder if this was something similar. Now, that one's pretty interesting, but again, right around the same time, maybe early to mid-1990s, we're going to go to Enron, Ohio. And this is where we, where we have a report that occurs near Dayton Springfield Road uh, on the overpass of a railroad track. They said, as the crow flies, this is less than three miles to the, uh, to the large landing strip over at the uh, nearest Air Force Base. He said, to the north, I saw a very large, silent, low-flying black triangle that was headed toward Wright-Patterson's airstrip. I grew up in Enron, and as a child, there were B-52s at this airstrip uh, where the triangle was headed. It looked to be twice the size of a B-52. And one last odd thing, they said, it seemed as if I were traveling faster than the triangle. Now, remember the Federation of American Scientists report talking about people in California saying they could jog alongside these things. We have another one from Jacksonville, Florida, 1999. This uh, witness described an object which, quote, made the same clockwise and counterclockwise spins on its axis, hovered motionless, and most strangely pivoted vertically with either the nose or the tail pointed to the ground until it formed a thin, nearly imperceptible line in the sky. Due to the relatively close proximity of the sighting to a naval air station, I've always suspected that what I saw was one of the military's new toys, and your article, talking about something I'd written, boosts my belief that this is the case. I'm hoping one day soon that the Pentagon will take the wraps off these things so I can be vindicated in the eyes of my family, who, of course, <laughs> they think he's crazy. Oh, you're crazy. You but see, that's the thing. If only more people knew how many people were seeing and describing virtually the same craft. Yeah. The other cases, too, uh, I think in, in the mid-90s in Illinois and Indiana, uh, police officers chasing these things, uh, for instance, uh, those uh, were able to move at hypersonic speed, don't quite conform to the possible stealth. Part of a whole group of people sky watching, and we had something go over the San Luis Valley in the mid-90s that uh, blocked out the stars. It was huge, a gigantic Whatever it was, we couldn't – it seemed to be triangular in shape. I was with a group of people in the San Luis Valley in the mid-'90s, and we had a huge object go over and block out the stars. And we weren't really able to determine its exact shape, but it did appear to be um, triangular-shaped. Um, the, 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 the closer it was to us, the less stars uh, were blocked out. And as it went overhead, the stars seemed to be blocked out by – a larger, a larger uh, part of the object, uh, a larger portion of the object. So it kind of, it kind of was triangular, but we really couldn't, couldn't, you know, stake our reputations on it. Um, but uh, these things are being reported. Of course, the Belgium wave too is uh, another classic, uh, you know, head scratcher. Getting back to uh, Greer Meeting Planner's point of cases, kind of falling apart a little bit uh, as the years go by. Another one. Uh, saw an article a couple of weeks back about Kecksburg, and now there's the new revisionist theory that it was a re-entering uh, Russian uh, satellite, which um, I, I'd seen that theory bannered about over the years, 
it kind of ebbed and flowed. But uh, it seems that there's some pretty good evidence now that um, is indicating that that's that's a strong possibility that uh, the uh, the early '60s Kecksburg uh, incident uh, in Pennsylvania may have indeed been some sort of re-entering human. Uh, you know, created and engineered and built object, uh, so satellite of some sort. But uh, have, did you read that, you guys? Uh, happen to see that? Yes. Now, I gather, though, that our friend Stan Gordon, the Pennsylvania UFO and paranormal investigator, he doesn't buy the conventional explanation, and maybe his reasons are legitimate, but it also comes to this, which is when you run into a case where there are questions, new questions raised, some of the people who sponsored the original explanation or touted it, suddenly, you know, they are reluctant. We've got more to come with Gene and Chris and Micah Hanks. You're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Kiyosaki, Rogers, and Schiff all concur there's an economic calamity that'll be facing this country. My question to you is, do you know when and are you prepared? Most people don't, but my friends over at Republic Monetary Exchange have been leading experts in precious metals to help you offset the coming economic collapse. Right now, for a limited time, they have a free book called The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. You simply need to give them a call at 888-772-2929 to get that in your hands. Do not allow the insiders to do what they did to you in 2008, putting your IRAs, 401ks, and savings in jeopardy. You need this book, and you need it now. The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. Call 888-772-2929. That's 888-772-2929. There's a reason that the largest investment banking company in the world, J.P. Morgan, just purchased another 50 million ounces of silver. This free book will explain it. 888-772-2929. Actual testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best. I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full-time job. I don't always have time to cook a four-course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework. Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is... The stores I love to eat. Yum! Thepowermall.com. 
heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have a second radio show after the Paracast, and we do unusual things there or unexpected things. So, for example, last week we had Paul Kimball in response to a listener's question go through some of the key cases and best evidence and raise questions about his top 10. Only available if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com for more information and simple sign-up instructions. We also give you a version of this show free of the network ads. And people raise questions about that in our new Paracast YouTube channel. That's where you solve it with a low fee. Plus.thepowercast.com. So I was mentioning here that Kecksburg, there's an alternate explanation that certainly seems to have value, and I've read it, and the rest of the crew has read it. But someone like a Stan Gordon will be reluctant to see that, and I hope it's because he still feels the evidence is compelling, not because he's unwilling to admit that maybe a case he felt was genuine turns out to be otherwise. It's like, what will happen if Stanton Friedman ever says or admits that the MJ-12 documents are false? I don't think it's ever going to happen. <laughs> well, you know, really quickly uh, about uh, Mr. Gordon. And he's always been a really great researcher, and I actually ran into him up in Kentucky just a few weeks ago. He was at one of the, uh, the CryptidCon conference that my friend Tiffany and I went to. And again, you know, I respect people who have put uh, decades of of work into research like this. But one thing I've always thought about Kecksburg, too, is that the primary description of an acorn-like or something, uh, you know, resembling that kind of a shape, that's always kind of reminded me of some of the Soyuz capsules and some of the other Soviet spacecraft and, and, and uh, satellites and things like that. So, again, to me, that seems to be a more likely explanation. And when we are faced with a popular UFO report in which there is a likely 
scenario, which also seems to fit all the evidence, I'm all for going with, you know, follow Occam's razor and, and at least say that, you know, this is what seems most likely here. Uh, again, coming back to something, Chris, that you mentioned, you talked about the um, the St. Clair County UFO incident, which in, uh, involved numerous people in southern Illinois. There were police officers who all observed a large one of these large triangles. Let's talk about that for a minute, because, again, here we have a case where we have multiple witnesses. All of these witnesses are law enforcement officers. In addition to the law enforcement officers witnessing it, we also have had made uh, publicly available since that incident the dispatch recordings, which give real-time descriptions of what the officers said that they were seeing. That's key because law enforcement UFO sightings are very unique in the sense that most people don't carry around recording devices actually of course on your iphone you've got a recording device right there and it's better quality than anything that you used to have back in the day of tape or even some of the uh, more recent digital in, in, in recent years but those police dispatch recordings do give a real-time running commentary on the visual as it's being described we know how memories can be updated sometimes after a person has seen something. And it's important to be able to have that real-time description. Some of these law enforcement officer reports give us that, and the St. Clair County incident was one of those. But the other important thing to, to address about this, they all described a triangular-shaped object. I think one of the only people who didn't was the trucker who had come in early that morning who had reported it initially to the police there in southern Illinois. He said it looked like it could have been square-shaped. He said whatever it was looked like a flying house. And you got to keep in mind that as the officers are going out there and responding, num a number of them not only saw the craft, but they all gave a similar description yet again of a large triangle aircraft, which that also is consistent with multiple other reports, as we've already heard a few just in my personal collection. There are plenty of others that are publicly available and some made to agencies like MUFON and the like. David Marler's written a whole book about this subject. Now, skeptic Brian Dunning, there are some things he's done that I really appreciate. He's written some good articles. I've even cited him as a source in some of my own books and articles because I always do appreciate the perspective of skeptics, but his explanation for that incident strains credulity, and I mean badly. And I hope at some point I can talk with him about this because Brian, when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast at one point, said that, you know, as recently as 10 years ago, I would have believed in the Patterson-Gimlin footage of Bigfoot, and, and, you know, I had to kind of train myself to be skeptical. That's important because... We do need to train ourselves and challenge ourselves to be skeptical. Critical thinking is important, and there's a deficit of that in this country. I won't talk about the current administration. I'll just you know, leave that to the minds of the listeners. But I will say this. I will absolutely say that you can maybe sometimes become so skeptical that you start falling into sort of an ideological trap where you no longer believe anything that's associated with the fringe. Brian Dunning's explanation for the St. Clair County UFO, all of these officers saw one of the American Airship Company's blimps. It was giving a VIP tour. Because it was 3 a.m., unable to discern the features of the blimp, which operated frequently in that area. Now, what Brian failed to do, of course, with his explanation, he failed to give any record from the airship company or anything that he produced of his own. No record was provided that actually showed without question that one of the American airship company's blimps was operating over St. Clair County at 3 o'clock in the morning. There was no rationale for why anybody would be given a VIP tour at that hour. Okay, And he gave no explanation for why every one of the officers, including one who photographed the object with the Polaroid camera, said that it was triangular shaped. Now, the photograph didn't look very good. It left a lot to the imagination, but it clearly showed that there was some sort of an object. And the lighting pattern was consistent with the three points of light that one of the officers said was apparent, one of them moving on the back of this craft. So, I mean, what little that photograph actually showed us being a Polaroid photograph, I mean, at least it did seem to indicate that there might have been an object there. So, again, we've got the witness testimony from the law enforcement officers. We have the dispatch recordings. And we have others who'd said that they had seen that who have come forward since and said that they actually observed this object on the same night in question, most of them truckers and people who were out late at night. If we're going to say that this was something conventional, 
tell me again why the airship company would have been giving the VIP tour at that time of night. And let's see a record of the flight at that time. They surely must keep a record of such things. To me, that explanation to the skeptical mind, while it may seem more likely, that's because they are discounting the existing information upon which this is built, which is numerous other encounters and sightings that people have had with a remarkably similar aircraft. One of Dunning's other points was he said that, well, you know, no two of these triangle sightings actually is consistent. They change from sighting to sighting to sighting. No, actually, they don't. The majority of them describe exactly what we've been talking about. A large triangle-shaped object, very dark, flies typically at fairly low altitude, usually moves kind of slowly. Sometimes it will accelerate in almost anomalously before it slows down again, as the one over St. Clair County did. Uh, if there are lights seen, they're usually on the back of the craft, or there are three points, white lights typically at the three points, and then a reddish light that's often described in the center on the base. Those, those descriptions are actually quite consistent. And so what I would challenge skeptics like Brian Dunning to do, and this isn't an attack against him, it's, a, again, a, a reasonable request, I think. Please look at more of the data before you discount a multiple witness law enforcement sighting of one of these objects because they aren't the only ones that saw it. I'm going to ask an outside question, which contradicts what you just said, but there's a point to it. What if at the end of the day all the key cases – in the UFO field that we've depended on to indicate something strange is going on could be explained conventionally somehow. Where would we be left with all that after all these years? You see, back in the early days, the Air Force contention was that even the so-called unknowns in the Project Blue Book reports would be explained if they had enough information. Now, we understand the Air Force and other skeptics would stretch the truth. But what if most of the key cases ended up being something that can be explained. It may require rechecking the facts, rechecking the memories. Human memory is a lot less perfect than we thought it was. What would happen? That would be a question of the ages. And I got a lot of other questions to ask of our guest, Micah Hanks of the Graylian Report. And he's got so many things going on in his site. He'll tell you later. Lots of fascinating stuff. With Gene and with Chris, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. 
What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors, for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-475-7607. That's 800-475-7607. Again, 800-475-7607. Call now. This is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson. www.injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So the question on the table, Micah Hanks. Could it possibly be it's all for naught, as compelling as some of these cases are, and we can certainly find reasons why, in the case you cited, you know, it couldn't have been conventional. What if it was? What if it was? Well, I mean, my feeling is simply this. In the case that we discussed, but I want to get into the broader question here in a moment, but in the case we just discussed before the break with the St. Clair County multiple witness law enforcement officer citing of this uh, triangle over southern Illinois, uh, the descriptions to me, again, are the descriptions given by the officers all match uh, generally. And those also seem to be consistent with other reports of this kind of a large aircraft. Now, 
would it be a conventional explanation if, again, there is a secret government project, if this is a DARPA stealth blimp, if this is something the Pentagon uses? Again, one of Brian Dunning's arguments against it had been, well, if this is a stealth aircraft, they wouldn't be flying it over you know, a fairly populated area where everybody might see it. But then again, you got to keep in mind, is it more likely that an aircraft like that, if it had to cross the distance between two routes, is going to fly over a populated area and do so at 3 a.m. when there are fewer people likely to see it? than the American Airship Company giving a VIP tour at that hour. Again, one of those actually, to me, in terms of if we're dealing with a stealth U.S. government craft, makes a lot of sense. The other, if we're dealing with a conventional aircraft that's mysteriously uh, seven or eight officers of the law couldn't discern from being a blimp, even at 3 a.m., despite the fact that the thing had lights on it, uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So if you want to call a government secret project a conventional explanation, I actually already endorse that idea. And I think that, yes... These are conventional explanations. The problem is, is that when we're trying to frame the narrative, we don't have all the facts because of the necessary secrecy related to those subjects. But in the broader context of ufology, if we could look back and we could say what was really going on, yeah, I'd say at least half, but probably better, does have to do with misperception of, again, probably fairly prosaic technologies and phenomena, some of them not technology at all, some of them merely natural things. Uh, the way that people's minds interpret that not only at the time of the sighting, but also the way that that kind of memory is updated thereafter. There's probably that psychological component. Again, uh, there have been a lot of researchers over the years. Uh, Alan Hendry had famously said that we have to be able to take into account delusions and fantasies. And I mean, it's it's sad, but I've, I've spoken with people who I knew, based on what they described, were looking at the planet Venus, and they constructed these beautiful narratives about all the paranormal phenomena that happened while they were standing out in their backyard and had this beautiful family experience looking at the planet Venus and, you know, sometimes you just got to kind of kick back and listen to them, let them tell the story that they want to tell. All the while, I know that they they were creating this incredible, fantastic narrative in their minds as they're standing there looking at, you know, one of our nearby uh, uh, planetary bodies here in our solar system. So, you know, yeah, all of those things must be taken into consideration. But I would absolutely say that in the, you know, over the over the last course of, of you know, 50 years or so of ufology, yeah, probably conventional explanations could be applied to the majority now, here's the thing, too. That works to the advantage of the government. You want to keep something secret. Well, people will just say it's a UFO if they see it. So that is your excuse. Well, UFOs are ridiculous. You saw a UFO, that's just something that's not real. So we'll just use that as our excuse. That's a way of providing disinformation. It advances their cause. And unfortunately, if there's real stuff going on there, that also advances the cause of keeping it a secret from us. Absolutely. Yeah, see, I think that, again, people laugh at the idea of disinformation. Oh, the government. The, the government's out to get us. The government's doing this. The government's doing that. There is historical precedent uh, for people, not only like with Paul Benowitz and the Richard Doty affair, people being given bad information. Uh, the problem is, is that we most often associate that with fringe topics like UFOs. Look at situations you know, I don't know where somebody may be investigating something with regard to environmental protections, you know, or, or environmental issues. Think about instances there. If we were to look into the data, and again, that's not my purview, so I, I don't have information I can draw from directly, but I'm, I guarantee that you'd probably find, whether it be in pharmaceutical uh, studies, whether it be with environmental agencies and environmental protections, whether it involves national parks, whether it involves, you know, infrastructure, who knows? There are probably other instances where Bad information is given to the public in order to do one of two things. A, protect secrets that the government maintains for reasons of national security. 
Uh, two, there could be a bureaucratic aspect to some of it, which may involve special interests and the like. I mean, there are any number of other scenarios, but again, I think that there are plenty of historical instances where one could actually look at this. That'd be a great idea for a book well outside the scope of just ufology. Instances where where civilians have been lied to or given bad information explicitly and intentionally so as to misdirect public opinion on a subject uh, in order to preserve secrecy. There's uh, Sadly, I and mean, that sounds like an awful thing to have people do, you know, especially our government officials who we elect and who we pay, although a lot of our non-elected officials are the ones probably behind this kind of a thing. But I do think that we have to keep in mind that it's not only a likelihood, but again, there's historical precedent for it. So the Paul Benowitz affair is outlined in Greg Bishop's book, Project Beta. It's it's just one of probably numerous, maybe countless instances where that kind of thing has happened. And in large part, probably most of the UFO phenomena could be explained as a result of those kinds of operations. And another thing to bear in mind in terms of classifying something as secret, one thing came out of this controversy over the Hillary Clinton emails about alleged classified information. And that is, it's a lot easier to take something and say it's classified than to let it out there. And it it turned out in that particular case, a lot of things that were already public domain, they were in newspapers, they were already available online, but the government called them secret anyway. You know, I've got a few people who are formerly with government. Uh, uh, Again, I can tell you explicitly, I don't have any friends who are actively, uh, you know, engaged in, in, uh, you know, secrecy or or anything like that by virtue of their job detail at the Pentagon or anything like that. Nobody gives me secret information. I've I've never been privy to that kind of thing, however much I may want it, especially related to UFOs. But again, these are national security measures, and there are also laws that prevent that kind of thing and could even affect somebody like me. So, Fortunately, we might also say nobody's ever leaked any information to me, but we do see this as far as uh, you know the media, journalism, and whatnot. This happens quite often. In this age of WikiLeaks, we do know that information is obtained and then leaked to the public, but I did have a friend who was a former advisor at the Pentagon, uh, and he and I were having a very candid discussion about some of these things, and he he's a friend who often takes it upon himself to brief me on the realities of how some of these debriefing processes and things like this go so that I can be aware of it. I don't have any kind of a functional background with U.S. military or intelligence. And so he says, you're very smart. and You got the right idea, Micah. But, you know, with your research, there are some things that by virtue of not having worked in that world yourself, you're kind of ignorant too. And hence, I can explain how those processes work. And one thing he'd absolutely told me on numerous occasions was that uh, you know, essentially, if if you're in a situation where information has been released, Micah, you could, if it's been leaked and WikiLeaks put something out online, uh, you could read that. But there are some situations where something is believed to be classified information, and I'm still active duty in whatever department. It may actually be against the law for me to read that if it's still classified information, and I don't have the necessary uh, classification clearance, or if indeed I don't have the need to know. So there are a lot of like levels of secrecy, I think, and 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 certain certain areas of question and and maybe you call them dark areas as it relates to clearances and secrecy and things like that. But yeah, with the Clinton emails, God, we could talk all day about that and not even related to UFOs. What does interest me about that though, are the UFO related elements that came out in those, in those releases. And I guess in this age of WikiLeaks, maybe we can expect to see more of that kind of thing in the future. Unfortunately, when it comes to WikiLeaks, we don't know a hundred percent whether something that is released hasn't been tampered with. I mean, that raises all sorts of eggs or fried eggs or something like, or broken eggs. Okay, this is going to be a strange segue. Not about the eggs, but about 
the After the Paracast podcast, where Micah will be on to continue this discussion once we're done here. That's After the Paracast, part of the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. Once again, go to plus.theparacast.com for more information on signing up with simple sign-up instructions. We also give you a version of this show free of the network ads. So how about that? We've got Micah Hanks. Don't know if he likes eggs or not. Gene Steinberg, who doesn't eat eggs. And Chris O'Brien, I guess, who does. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Not true. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So if the vitamins and supplements you now take are not being absorbed, what good are they? Introducing Protovite, proprietary liquid system that allows premium quality nutrients to positively affect the blood in an astonishing five minutes. Watch our amazing two-minute live blood cell video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. 
In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979-855-700-2979-855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. $39.95 plus shipping and handling. Use discount code GCN and receive 15% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter and get your Bug Assault today. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And we're not going to crack any more eggs. Nor attempt to crack jokes. I'll leave it at that. You gave me a list of some interesting talking points, Micah. Before we do that... Um I would like to know what Micah thinks about Tom DeLong and uh, Mr. Blink-182 and his rather over-the-top claims of insider knowledge and, you know, relationships with uh, higher-ups at Wright-Patton. What do, you, what do you make of this whole uh, scenario, Michael? Okay, that's a great subject, and I'd be more than willing to get into that uh, before we discuss the other stuff. Uh, so, full disclosure— Growing up as a teenager, my kid brother, Caleb, had been – and actually, I think, Chris, you met Caleb one year at one of the UFO Congresses out there. He and I were out there together. Very, very talented guy. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah, great musician. You know, and he and I have been musicians. Speaking of great musicians, again, we're talking to another one here, Chris O'Brien. <laughs> we keep saying we're going to jam one of these days, <laughs> but uh, it's going to happen. As far as Tom DeLonge goes, though. Full disclosure, Caleb was a huge fan of Blink-182, and uh, via some associations and friends that we have in the UFO community, when Tom DeLonge got back into his UFO stuff, but prior to the formalization of his secret machines stuff that he's doing right now, uh, Caleb was hired by Tom DeLonge and his To The Stars Media Company to do some art for his website, for articles. Uh, some other friends of mine, Jason McClellan and Maureen Ellsbury, were writing, uh, they were writers for the website. Caleb would illustrate some of their articles, and Caleb spoke to Tom DeLonge on the telephone. Now, I knew that Tom DeLonge had had an interest in UFOs. I was fascinated by that, and I'd hoped that through the association that Caleb and Jason and Maureen had with him, and, and at times a personal where they spoke to him relationship, I'd hoped to have one thing maybe occur, to be able to have a sit-down one-on-one with him to talk about the UFO subject, because I had some grave concerns even at that time about what information he was being given and what he was trusting as far as what he considered reliable sources. Shortly thereafter, my friend Jason, the aforementioned Jason McClellan, contacted me and said, hey, Tom's got a new book. It's a fiction novel, but it's based on truth. It has to do with UFOs. Uh, they wanted to know if you'd like to review this book for Tom. And I said, I'd love to read it. And yes, I'll absolutely write an honest review about it. And so I read the book. It's called Secret Machines, Volume 1, Chasing Shadows. I read it. It's a very good novel, co-authored with uh, A.J. Hartley, who's actually a professor, a Shakespearean English professor 
right here in North Carolina. And so at some point, if he makes it to a, to an event somewhere around here in this region, I actually hope to go meet AJ because it's more likely I'll meet him than Tom DeLong. Since then, there was a dissolution of that company and Caleb no longer uh, is employed by that company. And so I don't have any direct association with Tom DeLong, but I did review the book. And in the, the review I wrote for mysteriousuniverse.org, I had said, I like this book a lot. I do have some concerns about where the information is coming from. And I insinuated in that review I wrote that I would really like, and I put, I insinuated it very, very discreetly by, I don't know, putting it in bold text in the middle of the article. I would really like, hold on guys. I would really like to talk to Tom DeLong about this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to be really. And so did you get a call? No, not at all. No, I tweeted the review at him and I didn't get a, you know, anything. So still waiting to have that conversation with him. But now let's skip ahead to last year's presidential election. And we did have the, the email links, uh, the email leaks from John Podesta. And the John Podesta said that some of those emails, according to his ability to discern, they had been tampered with is what he said. We know they were leaked by WikiLeaks. We don't know what the source of those leaks were. Julian Assange maintains that he hasn't worked for any state. He is, he's not been Again, employed by some state like Russia uh, you know, or other agency, he says that's not who was behind this and that he said that there had been a source that gave him these emails. Now, we won't get into that whole issue of you know who the source might have been, how credible some of the claims have been, all the conspiracy theories about that. But what we know from the actual emails that were leaked is that Tom DeLong had been in touch with John Podesta. John Podesta has maintained a long interest in UFOs going all the way back to the first Clinton administration. John Podesta had also apparently agreed to meet with not only Tom DeLong, but a Major General William McCaslin from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Okay, so if we go online and we look up McCaslin, what we find is that McCaslin is essentially the head of their science division there at Wright-Patterson. That is a position where he oversees about 11,000 people who are employees who also deal in the sciences as it relates to U.S. Air Force operations. DeLong had made some, some references to a quote-unquote scientist and he actually said in his books, and like in, for instance, the forward to secret machines, that we'll have one guy, we'll call him the scientist. I'm pretty convinced that uh, Major William McCaslin was the guy that he called the scientist. We know that that guy also was going to go with him and presumably did go with Tom DeLong to meet with John Podesta in Washington sometime during the campaign last year. Now, this brings us to my nominee for ufologist of 2016. The award goes to, drumroll please, Jimmy Kimmel. Okay, you name one other guy who has managed to get not one, not two, but several former <laughs> U.S. commander in chiefs to talk about the UFO. True, he has. He has. He's gotten them all on record in, yeah. before the nation on a live broadcast to talk about UFOs. Now, Hillary Clinton hadn't been elected and actually ultimately was not elected. But while she was in the runnings, when she appeared on the program, they spoke frankly about UFOs. You remember she said, well, we call them UAP now. And she said, yeah, we're going to reopen this and look into it if I get elected. Well, as we know. Area 51 in New Mexico. I love that. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. In New Me- <laughs> I think she may have been mistaking that for, for Roswell. But, but the point being is that, yes, the Clinton campaign and John Podesta especially were very interested in UFOs, it seems. Enough so that Podesta, in the middle of a very contentious election year, was going to meet with a former rock star from Blink-182 and the the chief of the science division at Wright-Pat. It seems that that indeed actually did happen. So we have to say that at least some of the sources that DeLong claims he has, which he hadn't named publicly before that, they absolutely are legitimate. Now, the question is, is DeLong the latest Paul Benowitz? 
Is he being controlled or manipulated in some way similar to these other instances where there is historical precedent, like we said earlier, for the manipulation of and the seeding of bad information among the civilian populace? Tom DeLong is not a person who holds any kind of a secret clearance as far as I know. He has not at any time, to my knowledge, served in the U.S. government and does not have any other way that he could receive such information apart from his alleged associations, some of which have now been verified, I think, with these people in various intelligence agencies and other divisions of governments. The question is, how much of the information he's been given is good? What information has he been given? With the forthcoming projects in his To the Stars media, we may find out about some of that, but I definitely, definitely have questions based on the historical precedent for similar (laughs) weird things that have happened in the past. (laughs) So there you go. You asked. Well, I, so I was sitting at the table uh, uh, there in the in the banquet uh, hall when they they played the you know they awarded uh, the UFO Congress awarded him in uh, Researcher of the Year and he couldn't attend but he sent a um, an acceptance speech and one uh, particular line from that speech really uh, kind of bothered me and that was I've read all the UFO books so I know everything about the subject. Oh yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Wow. You, you cut the- out. Oh. And, and to me, to have the hubris and the temerity to make such a bit of a light on, uh, on the guy's ego and, and, and does indicate to me that I think he's got um, some, some really interesting ideas, but they're all in, in, in the realm of trying to monetize ideas. I, I really, I don't think that, uh, He'd be the last person in the world, I would suspect, that the the government would start to divulge classified information to and start to doing a um, you know a, a soft disclosure process with. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll name one book you could not possibly have read: UFO ninety six, published by Gray Barker. It was a sort of kind of wacky satirical piece that reflected a part of Gray Barker's personality that the public didn't always get to see. Not at all. I guarantee you, he never read that book, and neither of you did either. Actually, I wrote the forward. I wrote wrote the forward to the new edition. I don't even think you were alive when that book was printed. (laughs) I remember printing it. I I was at Gray Barker's house. I was at Gray Barker's house when he ran off the copies on his offset machine in the 60s. So there, that's just one example. Inside the Saucers, 1965 from Tim Beckley. It's another one he didn't read. Yeah, probably. I've got a, I've got a pre-publication uh, copy of Underground uh, Bases and Tunnels uh, with the spiral binding that I'm pretty proud of. Signed by Sauter. Well, at the bottom of the, you know, at the end of the day, I think we could probably agree that there are plenty of books that Tom DeLonge has not read on the UFO subject. Um, and there's know. plenty of things about the UFO subject that he doesn't know. Uh, in fact, there's there's more stuff about UFOs that I've forgotten than he probably knows. <laughs> I would agree. You know, let's get off Tom DeLonge. He does not deserve the publicity. Well, you brought up WikiLeaks, and I thought, hey, what a perfect dovetail to... Uh, to go into that particular Actually, I didn't bring up WikiLeaks. Actually, I brought up the Hillary Clinton email scandal, which was not necessarily WikiLeaks, but whatever it is. We've got more to come with Gene, Chris, and Micah. You're in the Paracast.
you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive PowerCast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the PowerCast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a PowerCast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.thepowercast.com, store.thepowercast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. North Korea openly threatens the U.S. and launches a new missile every other week. Their warhead of choice? Electromagnetic pulse. Such an event would cripple the U.S. power grid for years and leave millions in the dark. Are you ready? You can be with a Solark EMP-hardened solar generator. Solark works day in and day out to keep your essentials protected. You can have peace of mind knowing your power will be there when you most need it. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to see EMP testing. That's PortableSolarLLC.com. Energy insurance for your family. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All right, we only have a few segments left here, so I wanted to bring this up. Micah gave me a bunch of ideas and questions to ask. And this one occurred to me for reasons Chris will know in a moment. How does science help prove that there may have been nuclear-scale events in the ancient past? And when you ask that question, Micah, I'm thinking of Dr. John Brandenburg and his discussions of a possible nuclear war or nuclear explosions on Mars. You know, that's a really interesting subject right there. Years and years ago, I mean, like when I was still a teenager, I was, I'm only 34 years old right now, but I mean, back in the day, we all had America online in our homes and dial up, you know, internet. And one of my favorite things to study were uh, interpretive texts on the Vedas, the Hindu epics, the Ramayana, the Rig Veda, the Mahabharata, you know, some of these. I, I would read these interpretive uh, texts and, and websites on these, and some of the interpretations of certain events as described in the Hindu epics were fascinating to me because they, there was this, what was called the flame of Indra or the weapon of Indra, the iron thunderbolt. There are different names that have been given to it in various translations and interpretations. But what we're essentially describing is a, a weapon or something that it's either a weapon or an event. Okay. Described in the Hindu mythology. 
And it describes something that falls from the heavens, and then there's a pillar of smoke that rises that's seen for miles and miles. It said that when this happened, birds fell from the sky from the resulting effect, if we don't want to just outright call it a blast. But many have insinuated, just cutting to the punchline here, many have said it sounds an awful lot like there was some sort of a nuclear weapon. Now, I'm very careful about taking these holy scripts and these ancient texts and things like this and interpreting them as being literal interpretation of actual events. Here's a great example of an instance where I think that has happened and people have just run wild with it. And although it doesn't involve an ancient nuclear event, you're going to see why this is relevant because it comes back around to ancient cataclysms and the like, uh, which many associate with such events. Okay, Plato talked about Atlantis. Plato talked about in, in the documents Critias and Timaeus, he talked about this war between those who hailed from beyond the pillars of Heracles, you know, Now, it's pretty evident to me, based on some contextual clues, that the whole discussion of Atlantis by Plato, and last I checked, he was a philosopher, not a historian, the entire discussion about Atlantis was allegorical, okay, Uh, as were many of his dialogues. It was intended to be pure allegory. None of his students actually believed at the time that he was literally talking about an actual ancient lost civilization that sank beneath the waters of the Atlantic. But some of the students of Plato's students did begin to make that case, and then some of the later Greek historians of antiquity also became of the mind that they endorsed the idea of a literal Atlantis that may have existed. But again, the scholarly interpretation to this day is that it was indeed a speculative kind of a thing. It was actually not even speculative. It was purely allegorical. He was trying to tell a a fantastic tale so as to make political commentary on things actually occurring in Greece at that time. Uh, Further evidence of this is the fact that, of course, in that document, the Timaeus he may have been referring to was his uncle. That was, in fact, his his uncle's name. But people have taken that and have run with that. And this concept of an antediluvian world, you know, something that existed before the Great Flood, some advanced technology or civilization that once existed is something that has been preeminent in the minds of the ancient astronaut theorists and the ancient mysteries theorists and even people who don't endorse the ancient astronaut thing. Guys – Keep in mind, I just spent the last week on a boat trying to outrun Hurricane Jose in the North Atlantic, and Eric Von Daniken was on that boat with me for part of that time. And yeah. Rosemary. Uh, she wasn't on this one. No, it was, it was Nick Redfern and Von Daniken oh. and I. And, okay, and, you're, you're doing another one with Rosemary. Yeah, yeah, Rosemary, our good friend, is going to be on the one I'm doing in November, and we can, we can chat about that in a bit. That's the Mysteries Cruise. But, you know, the cool thing about Von Daniken is – he can sit down with me and be smoking a cigarette. He and Ramon, his uh, assistant, and I, I love Ramon. He's a dear friend of mine. Those guys definitely do think aliens have something to do with this ancient mystery stuff. I don't. But when I tell them I don't, they say, that's good, that's good. We want more skeptics and more scientists to work with us. Uh, I don't get the same reception from the skeptics, sadly, because even though I, you guys can tell I'm pretty skeptical about all this stuff, I mean, fundamentally to my core, and I think you two are also, but they would still consider us fringe crazies. Anyway, coming back to ancient mysteries – This idea of nuclear events, how can science help us understand this stuff better? Well, again, I I see a lot of people who look at these things, these incidents that may have occurred in the ancient past, some of which we do have scientific evidence for. And guys like Brandenburg try to look at that and what may have happened off planet and say, see, ancient nuclear wars on those planets. I think a lot of that kind of stems from that eschatological outlook many of us had during the Cold War. Carl Sagan always talking about mutually assured self-destruction. I think that it's kind of this weird outgrowth from that where we're so concerned about what could happen to Earth that some people go so far as to say that it's already happened on other worlds and therefore the future message to humankind is see what happened there. We don't want it to happen here. The ancient Martian civilization destroyed themselves. We're in danger of doing the same thing too. And it could happen any day with North Korea with the volatility that we're seeing right now. Is there really evidence of ancient nuclear events? I would say yes. 
Is there evidence that there were nuclear events like nuclear weapons and things used by advanced civilizations? No. We're talking about naturally occurring nuclear-scale events, probably as a result of asteroid or cometary impacts, or possibly that combined with something along the lines of a supernova flare. Uh, Some of the research, for instance, that's appeared recently that suggests this is a paper that appeared in the journal Nature that was co-authored by a couple of colleagues of mine, Dr. Albert Goodyear uh, from the University of South Carolina at Columbia. Uh, Another fellow who I have not met or spoken with yet, but my colleagues are colleagues of his, Dr. Chris Moore, real scientists, real archaeologists, people that I respect. They were co-authors along with Alan West on this paper, which talks about a widespread platinum anomaly that has occurred in the geological strata that coincides with the Younger Dryas layer. Okay, Younger Dryas referencing essentially the little ice age that we re-entered after we were coming out of the last ice age. As we were heading into the Holocene, temperatures globally begin to warm. All of a sudden, there's a huge spike in temperatures where it gets really warm really quick, and then we go back into an ice age. And some uh, researchers speculate that there was something that caused that heat spike and then the cold trend that followed. What we certainly cannot ignore is that this platinum anomaly exists and that it coincides with that at the beginning, the onset of that dryas. And where do we find that this has occurred in the past? Well, we, we see a similar rare earth element widespread in geological strata coinciding with the impact that killed the dinosaurs. So scientists are warming up to the idea more and more that in likelihood, this, the presence of these rare earth elements actually do show that there have been cataclysms that occurred in the past. And as strange as it seems, I mean, even with that evidence, the scientific community doesn't really like the idea of the impact hypothesis. Mike, isn't there evidence of a naturally occurring chain reaction that occurred in uh, uranium deposits in Africa? I say Namibia just to try to make a bad joke. Okay, I seem to remember uh, John Brandenburg in his books about, um, I'm not exactly sure where in Africa it occurred. Uh, maybe I think it uh, was a occurring chain reaction of uranium. And um, so we, we did have some sort of naturally occurring, um, I guess, radioactive event, if you will. Uh, I, you know, I all the details of, of how it could, could take place, all the science behind it, I'm not sure. But I, I, I do seem to recall that it's a fairly well accepted um, kind of in- incidence uh, in the historical record. Yeah, I, I, know. I don't think it has anything with the K two boundary, uh, KT boundary, and you know the uh, uridium that they've discovered uh, at the end of the Cretaceous, for instance. Right. But um, but we do know that 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 nature can undergo some sort of um, you know radioactive chain reaction. Absolutely. Really quickly, he's talking, I think, about the Oklo mines. Uh, this was a situation where there was a uranium deposit that was, I think, encased in a granite layer, which fed by natural water from nearby actually presented essentially a, a cooling and containment facility that some have likened to a natural nuclear reactor. Uh, but now, again, that's a different thing from some sort of an extraterrestrial impact creating you know, a boundary where we find this rare earth element like iridium, which is often reported, or platinum like the Nature article from earlier. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the idea of a natural nuclear reactor, that's accepted science that indeed this could hypothetically in the right circumstances occur deep within the earth and maybe has occurred a few times in the past. Once again, you will hear more of Micah Hanks on this week's episode of the After the Powercast podcast which is officially part of the PowerCast Plus. It's a subscription version of the show. We give you this show without the network ads. We give you after the PowerCast and other stuff. To learn more about our premium package, go to plus.thepowercast.com. 
Once again, that's plus.theparacast.com. Subscription prices start at just $1.49 a week. We got more to come with Micah Hanks right. and Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Investing is a long-term process. How many times can you think of in the last decade that the stock market has destroyed retirement funds for people just like you and me? For your existing IRA, you need the security that gold has provided for centuries. Remember, gold has never been worth zero. Capital Gold would like to introduce you to the Home Storage Gold IRA. It's a self-directed IRA set up with all the protection and tax benefits of an LLC. But the big difference in this IRA is you invest in gold and you hold it in your possession. You can't do that with stocks. That's security. You can transfer any type of IRA hassle-free in days. Please call right now and learn more, and we'll waive the $500 setup fee and give you a free safe to store your gold. 800-535-7789. That's 800-535-7789. Actual testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best. I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full-time job. I don't always have time to cook a four-course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework. Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is... Food stores I love to eat. Yum! Thepowermall.com. Do you trust our economy? How about our banking system? Our president has stated we are sitting on a bubble right now and that when the Fed raises interest rates, bad things are going to happen. Well, the Fed is raising rates here and now. There has never been a better time to turn your IRA or 401k into physical gold or silver with GSI Exchange. Call 833-GSI-GOLD. GSI Exchange can make this happen fast and it's money you control, not the big banks. 833-GSI-GOLD. Ask about our Bank Failure Survival Guide and learn how your qualified IRA transfer can get you $1,500 in free physical gold or silver delivered right to your home. GSI Exchange has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Call GSI Exchange at 833-GSI-GOLD. That's 833-474-4653. Or visit us on the web at gsi.gold. 
Actual testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best. I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full-time job. I don't always have time to cook a four-course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework. Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is the stores I love to eat. Yum. Thepowermall.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So the point being here is it's far more sensational and sells more books to say that some nuclear event had to be artificially generated to just say it's the result of a natural forces at work there is that, that city in india that uh, i know david childress has mentioned i think von donica has mentioned where there's fused uh, sand that's been fused into glass you have the libyan glass fields which may have been from an impact in the uh, in the past where you know some sort of object obviously generated uh, incredible amounts of heat you can find tectites around the uh, here in arizona around the meteor crater you can find uh, fused material that uh, was, um, you know, obviously superheated by the impact. But uh, to have something planetary, you know, that you can find evidence pretty much uh, everywhere, uh, obviously would be indication of a huge uh, catastrophic event, a uh, nuclear winter type event at uh, five point something uh, million years ago. So, yeah. um but 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 bringing it back to the point that you were making, uh, Micah, go ahead and continue. Oh, yeah, and I'll add to that too, Chris. I think the, the Indian sites, actually in modern-day Pakistan, but once probably part of the ancient Hindu empire, uh, we, we're probably talking about Harappa and Mohenjo-Daro, the city of the dead. They, they found some of this, uh, you know, the, the, the actual vitrification there. Interestingly, in parts of Europe, though, we've also found the um, evidence of ancient hill forts where the stones were fused together very quickly through this process of vitrification, a very sudden heat source that is produced, which actually fuses suddenly and then instantaneously cools and thus preserves these uh, stone walls where they're no longer separate stones. It's actually fused together almost concretion-like. Uh, this vitrification process, again, would have to present itself very rarely, and there would have to be something, again, where there's a sudden massive source of heat and then things cool relatively quickly thereafter. So evidences of things like this, as well as the uh, what we would colloquially call the Alamogordo glass that you're talking about, you know, that's the remnant of an impact, uh, you know, the, the, uh, where the sand is fused and there's natural glass formed, uh, all these kind of things. Uh, definitely are evidence of impacts and events that have occurred in the ancient past. The problem is, is I think that some people, again, they say, hey, look, therefore, the, the reason it's called Alamogordo glass, <laughs> of course, you know, the tests with the nuclear weapons done at Alamogordo, we find it there. But that doesn't mean that where it else it's appeared in the world and where else it stems from in the ancient world, that these were equally evidential of nuclear weapons that were used. I say, again, nuclear scale events, but not evidence of nuclear weapons that the ancients harnessed. Yeah. Well, then yeah. raises the big question here. Do you feel there were advanced beings around here a couple of thousand years ago interacting with us or maybe the remnants again of an Atlantean civilization or something that preceded that? What's your feeling? This is a really interesting subject because for the first half of the 
tonight's show, we've looked at UFOs. What's the best evidence? Is there anything? Is there any evidence of extraterrestrials visiting Earth right now? I asked an astronomer the same question a while back, and he said, and he's a very skeptical guy. He said, to me, I don't see in UFO reports any evidence of extraterrestrials visiting Earth. Not in modern times. Now, he says, you got to look at the entire history of the planet Earth as we know it. The very short amount of time that humans have occupied this planet. And he said, in that incredible period preceding Earth that humans have now occupied, prior to our arrival here on this mud ball, he says, there was a lot of time that passed. And before that, there was a lot more time in terms of the actual history of our universe. So first we could say that in the entire history, 13.5 billion years or so of our universe, in likelihood, there probably have been intelligent civilizations like us, perhaps more technologically advanced than us, that have come and perhaps also have gone. And that in the ancient past, long before humans appeared here on this planet, if we have been visited at any point, it's more likely that it has occurred in the past than it is that is occurring today. Now, some would say that, hey, there's no distinction to be made. Yeah, aliens were here in the past. They interacted with the ancients, and the UFOs are a continuation of that today. Those are very speculative points to be made. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of them, although for all we know, that could be the reality behind it. I, I don't know that I would say it's completely unlikely. I would just say that we don't necessarily need that interpretation to explain the mysteries of the ancient past or the presence of apparently unidentified aircraft in our skies today. But that is one interpretation of these things. What I will say, though, is that, again, when you look at the academic aspects or the, or the attitudes toward this, many of them would say, yeah, maybe actually the likelihood that we were visited, that this planet has been met by intelligent spacefaring civilizations and that it occurred long ago is more likely than what might be going on today that people recognize as UFOs. Um, Carl Sagan, before the publication of Chariots of the Gods by Eric Von Daniken, had put forth what he called paleocontact, and he had been an advocate of that idea. I, I shouldn't name my sources right now, but I have two friends uh, in the fringe community, one who met and knew Sagan very well, and another who spoke with his biographer. And basically what they've told me is that uh, Sagan privately did maintain quite an interest both in UFOs and also in the idea of paleo contact. But let's be clear, I don't think he was sitting around reading Chariots of the Gods and saying, yeah, I think you know Eric's right. But I think that he had had that prior to the publication of Chariots of the Gods, he had had a similar idea of paleo-contact and what might have happened in the ancient past on this planet. And I think that he maintained an interest in that, which he largely kept out of the dialogue that occurred in his academic circles and his public uh, presentations on these subjects. Uh, his biographer seems to indicate that maybe that was the case. And again, I've got a friend who's a, a well-known ufologist who knew Sagan, and that's probably already given away too much, who said, yeah, you know, we had very frank conversations. And he said, you know, I could never go public with it, but obviously I'm interested in this subject. So you might apply that to a lot of people, academicians, scientists, astro astrobiologists, you know, astronomers. There are probably a lot more people interested in these things than they actually let on. And those who are interested probably have the same questions. Was Earth visited in the ancient past as a pure matter of likelihood, whether or not it happened? It is more likely, and I maintain that view too. It is more likely that there may have been space-faring intelligent civilizations that came to this planet long before we ever arrived here ourselves. The question is, there. if they came here... Are they still here, or did they come and go? Okay, that's the primitive well, earthlings. Let's go on with our business. And that raises the large question well, about UFOs. The, the, is it possible we were once visited, maybe even very recently, and they're gone? Everything that we've seen since then is conventionally explained. 
Well, in the case of Oanes, uh, the fish, kind of humanoid fish-like being, I doubt that he would be able to sneak around here effectively uh, without freaking a lot of people out because he kind of looked like a fish. <laughs> Chris, that's such a great story. Uh, you know, again, when I was a teenager and I was really getting into all this stuff, the idea of the Awanis coming out and the way that they said that they would appear coming out of the sea at the beginning of the day and they would come and they would teach architecture, mathematics, you know, agriculture to all the ancient people. Then at the end of the day, they would take, remember the, the, the line that always struck me, they would take no food in that season, which we might interpret to mean that when offered food, uh, they wouldn't accept it. And then at the end of the day, they would go back into the ocean. And I imagine this bulking kind of spacesuit-like thing waddling off, almost like, do you remember the film The Fifth Element? Right. Oh, do I remember that <laughs> film? You know, uh, you just remember Emilia Jojovich in that film. <laughs> we all do. No, no, I remember the opera singer. Uh, that that was oh, the freakiest yeah. part. Oh, oh my whole, God. Yeah, the whole film's great. But do you remember at the beginning when those the clunky spacesuits that the aliens wore when they go to the pyramids? I imagine the Hawaiians looking something like that and coming out of the ocean in the day and then going back at night. And you know, I'll tell you what. Let's go back to the fifth element. With Gene and Chris and Micah, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family survival to survivalistcamps.com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. $39.95 plus shipping and handling. Use discount code GCN and receive 15% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter and get your Bug Assault today. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralized the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. 
Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-774-3149 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-774-3149. Again, that's 800-774-3149. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. All right, (laughs) the fifth element. I think that's possibly one of the best science fiction films ever made. Because there's one thing about it that you don't see in Star Trek and other films, that the cities, the atmosphere was very gritty and very realistic. And a lot of sci-fi films don't do that. They don't show the underbelly of a city. Well, Blade Runner is the classic. Yeah, it was one of the few examples. Can't wait for the sequel. Oh, gosh, tell me about it. That, that I'll definitely be going to the big screen on that. Any, any Ridley Scott film, basically, is worthy of a... Big screen treatment, I think, at least. Oh, oh yeah. And getting I, into the pop culture here. Well, I've just got to say, too, uh, you know, we just wrapped up that Ancient Mysteries cruise, and uh, I uh, disembarked on Sunday morning. I had my friend Anna from Puerto Rico with me, and then Ramon Zercher and his lovely wife, Carola. And we, w- we went up to Madison Square Garden and sat there, and it was probably too early in the day to do this, but hey, when in Rome, and New York counts, too. New York has some of the most liberal alcohol laws in the country, so it was the morning. We waited until they opened. It was 11 a.m., I think, on the nose that they opened up the little market there at Madison Square, and we went in there, and I got a Guinness, baby. I, Okay, I survived on the Atlantic for seven days with Jose, uh, Hurricane Jose dancing circles around us. I deserved a Guinness at that point, so we're sitting there, but the huge um, – I mean that, that massive screen across the street – with the billboard right. with with advertisements. I mean, they have the, the well. That's screen. the Penta, the Penta hotels right there too. Yeah, exactly. And 
right there on the big billboard, you know, they had Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling with Blade Runner. Oh my gosh, this film, I hope it look I hope the actual film is as good as the trailers and the imagery that they're using to promote it uh, makes it out to be because the first Blade Runner is arguably my favorite science fiction film of all time. Maybe, maybe that place is shared only by the fifth element. Those two really, I think, are among my very favorites. Yeah, and then if you want to get into social commentary, Clockwork Orange is pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, original Star Wars, the opening shot of the uh, Millennium Falcon being chased by the uh, by the Star Cruiser, that's... I remember that really sat me back in my chair when I saw that. I, I just said, boy, Hollywood just, you know, ratcheted up to a new level. <laughs> <laughs> and look where we are today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Now it looks trite and kind of quaint, you know. Well, oh, the yeah. thing that's interesting, but, uh, too, and, is they were able to make that film for just a few million dollars. And today to do a similar yeah, film yeah. would cost $250 million. So talk about efficiency. Yeah, well, if you don't have the budget and you have smart people, they figure out a way. Well, that's why that's why Hollywood's uh, so gun shy is because they have to either go over the top or try to reboot something that they know has worked in the past and just hope, you know, that it will work in the in the future. That's why any, you know, aspiring screenwriters and stuff, really, the, the place to go is cable, you know, go to Netflix, go to Amazon, go to HBO. That's where the real cool projects are now. Yeah, you know, that or get some Saudi prince or some Hong Kong shipping magnate to uh, be able to. Go ahead and fund your project. <laughs> hey, see, now you just got to find one of those guys to fund your UFO project out there in the San Luis Valley, huh? <laughs> well, help me. Help me, uh, Micah. But let's get let's get the word out. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. We, we've got this thing dialed in, man. You know, in terms of its, you know, the the ideal equipment list, the ideal uh, placement of, of equipment, that sort of thing. It's just a matter of you know, having a budget. So, you know, people are hired to do things instead of, you know, having to rely on their good graces. It's almost impossible to really accomplish anything when you're, when you're doing it on the uh, people gifting their time angle. It's, it's, it just doesn't work. Doing it on the cheap. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I'll tell you this too. I got just the guy. Let's, let's call up Tom DeLong. Okay. Uh, because with all the money that he's making off of promoting his UFO interests, uh, if he really wants to convince people it's evident already, based on this conversation, that hearing it from government officials who cannot be named, even if WikiLeaks helps us know who some of them are, that alone has not convinced us and probably will not for some time to come. So if he really wants to get the point across, fund the efforts of civilian UFO researchers, put that money into really? science. Let us prove with science that there is a physical, tangible phenomenon worthy of further study. That's the only way that you're really going to do it. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, people like, uh, for instance, uh, I mean, we could go down the list. Dave Grohl, a huge UFO uh, closet UFO buff. I mean, he named his, his band the Foo Fighters. Uh, hello. Justin Haywood from the Moody Blues wrote me a letter uh, telling me how much he enjoyed the book. You know, you could go down the list. There's, there's a bunch of people that are really interested in these subjects. And, uh, you know, Lawrence Rockefeller. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. God bless him. I feel myself blessed to be one of five people that he uh you know funded five individuals that he funded in the in the field so they're out there but you know i've been hoping to get that one camera up there and at least demonstrate the viability of the idea i mean have something where you can say oh well you want to see what we're doing here uh, write this address down you know uh, click on this link you know that sort of thing and uh, until i get to that point i've been really reluctant you know to give uh some sort of you know huge amount of energy to a funding project uh, because I think it's 
the only way to really succeed is to have something, have success, and then, you know, piggyback uh, further success on top of that success. So, you know, that's kind of where we want to be, uh, I think, Which is ideally. Why, Chris, that's why the classic model always involves getting an investor. So is Bob Bigelow out of the game? I mean, last I heard that guy was still well, the, about <laughs> the single, The single well-heeled investors, uh, they their basic attitude, and we've turned down a couple of um, their attitude is, what a great idea. Sure, let me give you all this money, and then it's mine. How can mine. we profit from it? Yeah, how can we profit from it, and it's mine after I give you the money, right? <laughs> well, I have ways to monetize the thing. I, I just don't want to give that uh, sort of information up and uh, until you know un- until we can show its viability. I mean, there's ways to monetize a streaming signal, a live, real-time streaming signal uh, monitoring a hotspot area. There's ways to have you know particular sponsorship, uh, you know, presence on the uh, on the screen. Um, there's way <laughs> there's ways. This live you know uh, possible event is being brought to you by you know Cox Cable. You know whatever. I mean, there's there's ways to monetize this thing. There really is, yeah. and um, you know we've thought up uh, a number of them uh, very creatively. I might add, but I'm not going to give all that away until I have something up there. Uh, to demonstrate the viability of the idea, uh, yeah. you know, so we have to approach this thing, multi, you know, on a multi-level sort of approach. Uh, there's kind of no way around it, really. Yeah, uh, and and for those who would complain and bicker and say, "Well, why hadn't somebody done this? Why hadn't somebody done this?" Everybody, call Chris O'Brien. <laughs> he'll he'll explain it to you. Oh boy, will I? Um, yeah. And I, I can only feel for you, man. Because well, it's a catch twenty two. You know, yeah. it's it's you know you, you got to be able to uh, you got to be able to demonstrate viability, yeah. but you can't attract money until you are able to do that. But in order to demonstrate viability, you need money. I mean, <laughs> we've been able to generate. You know, we put at this point, I think five five to seven thousand dollars. I think uh, has been uh, put into the project. So, I mean, it's not like we haven't had any money involved, and it's all been done on a on a complete. Uh, well, I guess theoretically that is uh, conceptually that is a shoestring. Uh, so we have at least had a shoestring to work with. But trust uh, me, that is a shoestring. <laughs> but that money has gone into developing the uh, the uh, detection, uh, record on motion, and and uh, and uh, tracking software. I mean, that's that's where we've spent the money because we really needed that in order to make the thing workable. Um, and you know, theoretically, once we get the cameras up, we need to uh, to be able to identify events and then be able to track them and record them. Because if we don't record and, and, and it's always on record, who's going to be going through the you know trillions of bits of data uh, to try to identify events? We we need the uh, software to identify events so that we don't have to sit there and and be going through reams and reams and reams and reams of uh, of video. It, it it's kind of ridiculous. So. You know, it's a walk before you run thing. Uh, Valet, who we had on the show here a month ago, uh, Jacques thinks it's a great idea, and he's uh, pretty enthusiastic about it. And um, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll get a uh, an email from somebody that said, you know, I just got Jacques Valet mentioned that you had a project, and uh, you know, we'd love to uh, find out more and see uh, if, if possibly there's a way to help you out. We can hope for so, miracles. We can also hope to have this break. And then we'll have one more segment with Micah Hanks and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. North Korea openly threatens the U.S. and launches a new missile every other week. Their warhead of choice? Electromagnetic pulse. Such an event would cripple the U.S. power grid for years and leave millions in the dark. Are you ready? You can be with a Solark EMP-hardened solar generator. Solark works day in and day out to keep your essentials protected. You can have peace of mind knowing your power will be there when you most need it. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to see EMP testing. That's PortableSolarLLC.com. Energy insurance for your family. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. Anytime. 
anytime, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris, we're talking about all sorts of subjects, about the state of the UFO field, about the possibility that many key cases are not real. Is it all real, or was it just misidentification, ancient astronauts, about Chris's San Luis Valley camera project? It seems to me, Chris, that the more we look at this, you have the only project that seems to be going anywhere. We have other people who talk about these things, and it just sort of sits. You can't really assume anything when you're talking about UFOTOG. You know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes? And, you know, Mark D'Antonio and Douglas Trumbull could be very, very close to the vest right now. They might be making amazing strides. I kind of doubt it, but, you know, with that kind of clout and, and... you know, Trumbull's uh, connections and, um, you know, his connection to deep pockets, shall we say. I mean, that's always very important. And, uh, you know, the Lawrence Livermore, ex-Lawrence Livermore scientists and, and other things involved in that project, you never count them out. Uh, Leslie Keen, uh, Mark Rodiger, UFO Data, that project, I, I don't think really had a snowball's chance in hell, to be honest with you. They, they really don't know where to go, what to do, how to do it, uh, who to talk to. I offered my, my help, and, and they did not follow up on that. And I was more than willing to uh, you know, supply them with software. I mean, do everything I could to help their project um, actually you know, become workable and, and become viable. Uh, anything I can do in my process is totally open source to anybody else out there that wants to get involved. I am not trying to make this into some sort of proprietary thing. My ego's not involved in this. Uh, I'm not looking at this from uh, trying to uh, have a monopoly on, on UFO data collection or anything like that. I want this to snowball. We want this to be open source. We want to be able to tell people what, to, what kind of gear to get, how to set it up. Here's the software to run it. Here's the protocols that you should have set, set in place to come up with the most effective data gathering analysis scenario that that we can come up with and help you with you know we're not the pentagon we're not the department of of defense we don't have you know invoices for thirty thousand dollar screwdrivers or whatever but if you really want to take this whole thing to the next level and move it forward this is how we think it should be done you know this has been a well now almost 11 year process so you know we're learning by uh fits and starts oftentimes it's three steps forward, four steps back, but, but we are making progress, <laughs> uh, believe it or not. And uh, once we get that signal back up and streaming, remember, we did have a camera for six months, and we did gather some pretty interesting data. Um, the footage of the two-man helicopter optically turning into a silver orb and flying, shooting across the screen was very compelling. If I had taken the two like seconds at the very beginning of the of the sequence, if I had taken that first two seconds out 
you didn't see the helicopter, and you'd just seen the silver orb from the light, you know, refracting off the uh, the dome of the uh, of the canopy. Uh, I could have touted that as the the greatest daylight, you know, footage since uh, the introduction of sourdough or something. I don't know, but that's not what we're doing. We're, we're trying to come up with ways to not only identify and quantify and analyze real events, but we're also looking for ways to uh, debunk ourselves and 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 show how mundane events can fool people and create false positives, create you know misidentifications uh, of events. And so I think it's really important that um, our effort is possibly the building block or the foundation for f- further efforts. We'll do everything that we can to help people take the process to the next level. Uh, you know, we're doing the best we can, and I'm really hoping that uh, <laughs> Ken, my ISP guy at AmigoNet, is going to climb his tower and put that damn camera up here in the next week or two because it's getting cold up there at 7,500 feet. So we need that camera up, and then we have our other two uh, locations scattered out and eager volunteers um, are ready, but you need the initial camera up. You know, I wish at this point, guys, that I were uh, Bruce Wayne, because if I were Bruce Wayne, and, and just for particular artistic emphasis, I'm going to say Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne, okay? I would be sitting here and go, I'd be clapping, first of all, and I'd say, that's a very imaginative and uh, fun idea you've got there, Chris O'Brien, and that is why I'm going to fund you. Because I, I'm, I'm telling you, truly, I, I wish that, that there were people who who saw the importance in ideas like that. And again, you know, I've, I've been accused of, oh, you're just trying to make money by selling your books. I've always said, if I were trying to make money doing this, I wouldn't be writing books about this sort of thing. I wouldn't be studying archaeology. I wouldn't be studying ancient history. And I wouldn't be studying fringe topics like UFOs and trying to squeak by and make a living doing what I love. You know, so anybody who says, you just do this for the money, I'm sorry. There are plenty <laughs> of ways to make lots of money. But, you know, at, at the same time, I wish, though, that I did make more money. I would love to be rich because not because I want to roll around in my own dough, you know, and have a bunch of cash on hand. If I had that kind of cash, it would be funding uh, bright, innovative individuals like you, Chris. I would be funding, uh, you know, networks for podcasts like the Paracast and my own show, The Graylian Report. I would be funding research. I would be trying to get to the bottom of this using science and not just relying on he said this or she said that or somebody from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base might come meet with a politician and tell them that. We could get to the bottom of this if we could put our resources together. And again, if there were only enough money to be able to spread it around, if I had that kind of financial resource, you're damn right I'd do it. It's not that much either. I mean, really, when you're looking at the amount of money that some people on this planet are sitting on top of, they could have three generations of offspring that couldn't couldn't possibly spend it in their lifetimes. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely there. And, and it's people like you, Micah, that, that I find intriguing because you have the ability to analyze things and analyze subjects and sort of coalesce them together and see you know where things stick. It's one thing to come up with a lot of data. It's another thing to be able to analyze it. And so it's, it's a multi-level process that needs team players. This is a team effort. This whole subject is not a bunch of, of stovepiped individuals going out and trying to solve the mysteries of the universe. We have to do this collectively. There's just no way that one person or one effort is going to be standalone and be able to do this. We all have to work together. We all have to pull on the oar in the same freaking direction. And I've been saying that until I've been blue in the face, and I'll continue saying it. Well, you see, Chris, if your face turns blue, we could pawn you off as an alien creature, then make enough money to fund the project. <laughs> yeah, a blue avian. 
Yeah, we could get Jaime Masson to help us promote it, too. <laughs> I was thinking here, as crazy as that is, is there anything too crazy for him to promote? I'm not so sure there is. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on that question. Oh, boy. I could have some fun with that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not on this show. Micah Hanks, please tell our listeners, if they want to know more of the things that you do, where do they go? Yeah, please head over to uh, my website, Micah Hanks, M-I-C-A-H, and Hanks like the actor Tom, MicahHanks.com. All the information about my other projects is available there, but I'm going to tell you about a couple of them too. Uh, GraylianReport.com, that's G-R and the word alien, G-R alien report, Graylian. People always ask me, what does that mean? I, I liked it. I combined a couple of words like Grail and alien. You know, and that way, these days, with the cost of web domains and, and online properties, it was much easier to create a word than to try and find one somebody wasn't charging a million dollars for. So, GraylianReport.com is my podcast. It's weekly. It's freely available. There is a subscriber thing. But, hey, if you're going to support me, consider first subscribing to the Paracast Plus. That's my personal favorite plus club. Yeah, you guys can always follow me on Twitter, too, at Micah Hanks. I'm one of those rare individuals on Twitter who has his own name, so I'm easy to find. At Micah Hanks on Twitter, at Micah Hanks on Instagram, and I look forward to hearing from all you guys. You can find The Paracast on Twitter, where we're known as The Paracast, at The Paracast. Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook and a pair of official Paracast fan clubs. We have a Paracast channel on YouTube. Check it out. And we also have The Paracast Plus, which... Micah recommended and probably will turn up occasionally on an episode. To learn more about the Powercast Plus, go to plus.thepowercast.com. That's plus.thepowercast.com. We give you the After the Powercast podcast. It's one of those things where you never know what's going to happen next, like last week, Paul Kimball, revisiting those best evidence UFO cases and coming up with some new changed conclusions. We get the ad-free version of this show, free of the network ads and lots more stuff coming. To learn more, go to plus, P-L-U-S dot thepowercast.com, plus dot thepowercast.com, and check for new content all the time. Write Chris at ourstrangeplanet.com. Ourstrangeplanet.com. Micah Hanks, thanks for joining us on the Powercast. Always my pleasure, guys. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.